This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Hi, right, Jimmy Ottawa, Paul Stone of Paul Stone Sports, Bruce Marshall of the Gold Sheet. This is the last of our four different time quadrants as we broke it into the uh, eight game sessions on early Thursday, late Thursday, early Friday, and late Friday. Let's look at the Friday PM slate. Now, we don't know who the 16-team opponent, 16-seed uh, opponent will be after the play-in just yet, but that's the first game at 6.50 Eastern and Purdue. And, boy, I got to tell you, uh, guys, just a couple. The 7-4, I mean, so much bigger. It's just the last two games against Ohio State and Penn State. But, Bruce, uh, I haven't seen – I mean, it reminded me of Ralph Sampson. And, I mean, it was just such a low post. And, and Edie's gotten better. I think Painter was trying to develop his whole team. But, man, the last couple of games, they had just – the hell with it. We're feeding the big guy. And, I mean, he shed a very high percentage. They just couldn't stop him, man. It looked like a bunch of kids around him. And if those young guards can knock down anything, he is playing at a very high level right now. He is. And – uh you know, with Purdue, I have thought all the way through this season that they're not as good as they were last year. You had a NBA lottery pick in, in Jaden Ivey. Uh, you had another big in Trevian Williams who alternated with the uh, ED last year. So this team doesn't have that depth of talent. But uh, Matt Painter is using ED in such a way uh, Purdue might be harder to beat this year because it just it's like, okay, stop us, boys. Try to stop us here. We dare you, and it's he's a very tough guy to deal with, and there's going to be a lot of teams that just do not match up with Edie, and Painter is good taking advantage of those situations. So, yeah, they're a threat for sure, and, yeah, I like your uh, comparison to Ralph Sampson with, uh, with Edie. Jet me just feeding him over and over, fouling people out. I mean, just shooting a high percentage. I mean, keep in mind, <laughs> the two biggest uh, rule changes in college basketball because of Ralph Sampson in the shot clock where teams were just freezing the ball and also the three-point line to try and make it a more perimeter-oriented game as well. Paul, can you remember a team? And also, Paul, Purdue, you buying or selling because it's almost like a trendy pick to not pick Purdue to come out of their region because they had uh, they had lost four of six very late in the season entering the conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, Purdue's recent, uh, you know, struggles at times during the tournament, the Big Ten in general, um, you know, certainly can't be discounted. But like you said, Zach Eady, I mean, his skill set is, is so uh, – uh, is so further along than it was even last year. I mean, he single-handedly beat Texas. You know, that's kind of Texas's uh, kryptonite last year and this year as well. If they face a, 
a, a team that's got a big like that, which not many teams nowadays do, especially that skill right. in all phases of the game. But uh, he, he just gives them, uh, you know, we say the NCAA tournament uh, can oftentimes be about matchups. And he's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, like you said, they definitely need to get some outside production to be able to take some of the, the emphasis and some of the stress off Zach Eady. But, you know, he's a guy who could single-handedly beat some teams if they're undersized and just can't defend him in the low post and uh, can't get any second chances on the other end. Well, I'll certainly remind our favorite uh, Boilermaker alum, Matt Humans, uh, about the uh, the statistic. Purdue leads the country in most wins in the NCAA tournament without a championship. And I'm sure he'll respond to that very graciously. You know, get fired up as, uh, as well. They are got a snake pit uh, in this one. And look, lost to St. Peter's last year. And uh, that surprised him. Uh, in the uh, in the Sweet 16. All right, the Rick Patino of sorts matchup here. Patino coaching at both of these schools, Providence and Kentucky. This is a 710 uh, Eastern tip on Friday night. The Wildcats at 4, 145 and a half. You want to talk about a roller coaster ride. I mean, just not a good cow. Is he leaving? Go to Texas signs a whole bit uh, in Rupp Arena. And then they rattle off some really good wins at Tennessee. And then they, later in the season at Arkansas with Nick Smith on when it's been a very tough place for them to win. And then Providence has been one of the better teams in the Big East, but they've, they really limped to the finish line. Paul, this is an intriguing matchup here. Kentucky 4, 145.5. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit it on the, the nail on the head. I mean, Kentucky's like so many teams in the, in the tournament that they, uh, you know, when, when they're good, when they're at their best, they really uh, – you know, they had a lot, have a lot of people, you know, last few weeks talking about, you know, be on alert for Big Blue in the tournament. You know, they're coming at you, that sort of thing. Uh, but then they have the, um, you know, the last three games. They lost two of those games to a Vanderbilt team that was minus Liam Robbins. Uh, so, you know, just kind of up and down. But that's a lot of the teams that we're talking about, probably three-quarters of them. You know, they're, when they're good, they're good. But then they have the low points as well. And, and I kind of, you know, I kind of lean to this Providence team uh, in this in this particular game, I, I really uh, I appreciate the Big East, the toughness of that conference. You know, behind the uh, the, the Big Twelve, you know, you could say the the Big Ten, the Big East, maybe the, the SEC, the second best conference in the uh, in the nation. But certainly, the Big East can can lay claim to that as well. Providence, again, like a lot of teams, they enter on a low note. Lost four of their last uh, five games. But if this uh, if this line if it ticks uh, to four and a half, I would I would take Providence. We're seeing four right now, I believe at Bet Rivers. If I can get four and a half, I'll take the Friars. This is an interesting note uh, that I uncovered. Uh, you know, looking at this game since February seventh, so we're talking five weeks. Kentucky has lost four games as a favorite of five or more points. So we're not talking about just a small po- uh, favorite. But in the last five weeks, they've lost four games when they're favored by five or more. So I'm not going to trust a team that's losing games outright uh, in a similar range. So if I can get four and a half or more, I'm taking Providence. And, Bruce, uh, those two losses twice to Vanderbilt in, I mean, in this, in this run where Kentucky had won five of seven, including at Mississippi State, who's in a tournament, against Tennessee by double digits, who's in the tournament, at Florida, against Auburn by 32, who's in a tournament, at Arkansas, who's in the tournament. So all these tournament teams down the stretch. But 
And Lim Robbins, who did not play out for the season, he got hurt four minutes into the game at Rupp, and they still lost that game. Yes, and I think we saw Coach Cal, though, uh, down the stretch when Kentucky was playing a little bit better because they had a little spurt there, uh, leaning on his uh, older guys a little bit more. But in general, I've thought this from the start with uh, Kentucky this season. Um, uh, the, the transfers uh, aren't good enough, and the freshmen aren't skilled enough. I mean, by Kentucky standards. Oscar fits in with any era of Kentucky. Uh, he's a star. He would have been a, a star in any era there. <clears throat> but the rest of the lineup there, I've got questions about. I mean, a guy like Reeves coming in from from uh, from uh, the Missouri Valley, uh, you know, a good Missouri Valley uh, guard, but he hasn't moved the needle too much in the SEC. So uh, I'm a little concerned about uh, uh, Kentucky here. I'm actually going to give uh, Providence a look based on the last 10 minutes or so of the UConn game <clears throat> at the Madison Square Garden last week. They suddenly found themselves again because they had a couple of games that defense had really sagged where they weren't looking good, but they made a real run at the end of that game. And you talked about Hopkins, of course, the, the uh, transfer from Kentucky. Uh, Ed Cooley does a great job with, with the transfers and from major programs, too. Uh, he, he brought in uh, Devin Carter from South Carolina. We talked about Hopkins, Kentucky, uh, and uh, Locke from, uh, from Louisville. Uh, so he's, he's, he brings in big-time guys from big-time programs, and they adjust really quick. For him, by the way, uh, he's going to have to say no to some uh, suitors here. We're hearing uh, Georgetown might come after him, but I don't think he wants to leave. He's a Providence guy, and this is a great deal for Providence. I think they win this game all right, outright. Uh, Paul mentioned the interesting thing about Kentucky losing these games as a favorite. That's something we have to consider uh, in this one. All right, uh, you know my early impressions of seeing the brackets and also seeing the opening lines was a couple of takeaways. One is that uh, boy. You know, the 12s are usually pretty good, but the 12s seem really loaded uh, this year. And also, the point spreads are really soft, very light, not as big as we've seen. We've seen an adjustment by the odds makers, knowing that some of that uh, that underdog money is coming. This matchup has both of them. 725 Eastern tip between Miami and Drake, a 512 seed. 512, Miami's favored by two and a half points, 147 over Drake. Remember how many years ago was it two or three years ago that Loyola and Drake were battling it out in the Missouri Valley Conference and playing like 44, 42 games? Well, they found a guy who could score now, the coach's son, and uh, he's filling it up for the Drake Bulldogs who are back in the tournament. Paul, again, very soft number here in a 5-12, Miami 2.5. You know, I think we've got an injury uh, in this game like some of the other games that's going to be uh, that's going to be critical and Talking about Miami, they lost their standout forward, uh, Norchad O'Meara, uh, to an ankle injury in the opening minute of the uh, ACC tournament championship game, um, or not championship game, but I guess it was a semifinal against Duke over the weekend. Uh, the Arkansas State transfer, he was second team all ACC this year, uh, 14 points, almost 10 rebounds a game, so a lot of production there. His availability for Friday night's game uh, against Drake – uh, at this point, certainly uncertain. But my gut instinct is he won't play. And I'm not basing that on any inside information, but I, I just ha having seen him uh, and, and the type of injury that he apparently has, I think he's probably got a 20% chance of playing. So I think Miami's going to be going uh, into this game without O'Meara. 
You look at this Drake team, they've been playing really solid basketball since late January. Uh, they've won 13 of their past 14. I thought they were particularly impressive in the Missouri Valley Conference uh, tournament, defeated three opponents by a total of 51 points. Uh, you know, I took Drake plus three uh, on Sunday night, but I can still certainly recommend uh, plus two and a half there at Bet Rivers. I like the uh, Bulldogs to win this game straight up over Miami. Yeah, Paul talking about North Shadow Mir. Uh again, third on the league, uh, thir- third on the league, third on the team in scoring at 13.6. First in rebounds at 9.7, and also first in block shots with about one and a half a game as well. Bruce again, Miami short two and a half, 147 here over the number 12 seed Drake Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, Coach L, uh, this was one of the better portal ads in, in the nation this year. He pulled him out of the Sun Belt from uh, Arkansas State, and Ormia gave them a presence on the blocks. I mean, he is their rebounding. When he went out in that game against Duke, they ended up getting outboarded by 12. So uh, his availability is crucial uh, for down the road in the tournament. They may be able to win this game without him. It, it, it would be tough. I like what Nigel Pack has done. I mean, he came in uh, a nil baby here. Uh, but he switched. He wasn't a point guard at, at K-State last year, but he's been running the point very well for Coach L uh, this year. Drake is interesting, though, and you mentioned that in, in a couple of years ago. They had injuries down the stretch, uh, especially two years ago. Roman Penn, really good point guard, was hurt two years ago, and their offense bogged down. They did beat Wichita in a play-in game in the bubble two years ago. Um, and uh, very close last year, losing uh, in the last seconds to Loyola in the uh, in the Missouri Valley uh, title game. They won it this year. We talked about DeVries. Very tough matchup playing for his dad, a uh, 6'9 kid who can go out and shoot and can post up. So he's a very tough matchup. So for me, it all depends on Omier. I can't make a prediction on this game. If he doesn't play, Miami's going to have a hard time winning. If we get word that he's okay and even 60 to 70%, um, I would take uh, I would take Miami. They they get a break that this game is a Friday game too. Uh, if this was a Thursday game, I don't think Ormier would be ready. All right, uh, let's move along. Seven thirty-five Eastern tip. Number three Gonzaga, sixteen and one fifty-seven over the high-flying Grand Canyon team at fourteen. That just came over the total so much down the stretch that Bruce kind of reminded of us uh, at various times. Paul, again, Gonzaga, though, flip-flopped it this year. It's been so good against, um, you know, uh, early in the season, November, December, when they played those tough non-conference games, and they kind of coasted through conference play. They struggled early uh, in November and December, and then they've really have turned it up and just a, a different path here, but maybe a little less pressure on them. And that's funny how – you know, can they can they get can they make a run? Can they get to the final four the you know the year after they lose Holmgren and Suggs? Well, we talked about Ralph Sampson. Virginia got to the final four the year after they lost Ralph Sampson. And even Dominique Wilkins, the year after he left Georgia, was the best player they ever had. They went to the final four in Albuquerque as well. Paul again, the Zag, 16, 157. You know, I made this game, uh, the Zags minus 14, Jimmy, so it's right in the the ballpark that I was expecting and most were expecting for that matter. Look at this Grand Canyon team. They were seeded fifth uh, in the Western Athletic Conference tournament this past weekend there in Vegas. They win four games in five days to win that conference's automatic bid. Uh, That included uh, upsets of Sam Houston and Southern Utah as a small underdog. 
but I'm pretty sure the Lopes, they don't uh, have anyone to counter uh, the tall Texan, uh, the pride of J.J. Pierce High School there in Richardson outside of Dallas, uh, Drew Timmy. So I, I think Timmy, uh, having seen, I watched, I saw Grand Canyon play Stephen F. Austin uh, in Nacogdoches, Texas this year. Uh, SFA actually won that game. They're not an overly big team. Uh, I think Timmy's going to be able to to put up some big numbers against the Lopes. I'm not interested, though, again, in laying 16 points. So much can happen. Uh, so I'll be on the sideline for this one, um, watching with great interest. This is almost a 116-point uh, spread, Bruce, by uh, the 2020, uh, 2024, 2023 standards. Again, Zags, they certainly play um, tournament experience. They played nine games total in the last two tournaments. Yeah, it's the, the number uh, here is uh, uh, probably too high, I think. Uh, That's not my favorite game, but we go back to the uh, totals here and the over. For Grand Canyon, you know, it's one of these things, Jimmy, and this was back in January if you started looking at this. Uh, once you identify something, usually uh, the damage has been done, but Grand Canyon continued to go over, and uh, they enter uh, Denver here over 23-3 and their last 26 games with Rayshon Harrison, the transfer from Presbyterian, really firing away out there on the perimeter. They will shoot a lot of threes. Uh, Gonzaga, listen, they have a lot of upside. We saw I mean, they went into uh, Bama and won, so uh, that one is in Birmingham, I think. But uh, the upside is there. Watch these other guys. It's, uh, Timmy, we know how good he is. Strother is being mentioned as a late first-round pick now. Watson is putting up some big numbers. He might be a draft pick, too. So there's more depth on this team than it looks like. It's not just Timmy. Having said All that, right, 157, over. Over it. Uh, don't... Uh... Uh, riding it again, uh, the biggest uh, total uh, of the first round of uh, of all of the games. Uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, first-round matchups, 920 Eastern tip on Friday night. Number eight seed Memphis, who we know Penny Hardaway is going to have talent. He's got some talent. He's got some NBA talent uh, on this team. Uh, two at 153.5 over the team. We just didn't know exactly where the selection committee was going to put Florida Atlantic. The NET liked them. The Ken Palm metric uh, liked them. But they settle in at a nine seed. Had a scare in a semifinal uh, in a tournament. A 68-65 win against Middle Tennessee State. But then as a two-point dog, blew out the UA Blazers 78-56. to Paul, great matchup here. 8-9 Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Yeah, the money in that uh, Conference USA Championship game flowed in on UAB, but uh, FAU was having none of it with the, with the victory there. You know, you look first of all at FAU's bench. Uh, Dusty May, uh, a guy who was actually a student manager at Indiana under Bob Knight, uh, much later became assistant coach uh, under Mike White there at Florida before taking the Florida Atlantic head job back in 2018. Uh, they have certainly uh, hit the jackpot in May's fifth season 30-3, and three. Uh, they've been good all year, uh, won a lot of games, all, uh, obviously. You look at this Memphis team coming off a 10-point victory over number one ranked Houston in the American Athletic Conference tournament final there in Fort Worth on Sunday. Houston did play that game without Conference Player of the Year Marcus Sasser, but uh, an impressive 10-point victory by the uh, Tigers nonetheless. In this particular matchup, I think Memphis you know, has the superior talent uh, but I'm not interested uh, in standing in front of a 30-win team like Florida Atlantic that's maybe playing with a little bit of a chip on uh, its shoulder. Uh, an interesting 
side note here, uh, you know, May, I think there's a good chance May's going to be coaching elsewhere uh, after Florida Atlantic's 30-win season, and that would really be his chances of moving on to bigger and brighter things, um, quote-unquote, you know, would be greatly enhanced if they were to beat Memphis and win a tournament game. So kind of a side note. But uh, I'm going to be watching this. This is one of my the most intriguing games on the card in my mind, but it's just very difficult for me to come up with one side or the other uh, when you uh, make it Memphis minus two, which is what I made it, uh, going to be uh, going to be a tight game, I believe. All right, Bruce, we took it about a lot of the regular faces uh, for some of these lower seeds uh, that have been into it. You know, the Colgate, Vermonts, and teams like that. Vermonts is ninth, their ninth trip uh, to the NCAA tournament. The first here for Florida Atlantic. Yeah, and uh, Dusty May is probably going to be the last of the links to Bob Knight into coaching. Now, there's a couple of guys out there now. Beard uh, had been uh, affiliated with Knight. Uh, Mike Woodson, of course, played for Knight. <clears throat> but uh, this is going to be the end of the, the Knight. This will be the last guy, and he's going to get a, a, a nice job uh, after this season uh, or have a chance to say no. Interesting. Uh, our old buddy Brett Norsworthy in Memphis, uh, when I was there for the Bama game at Ole Miss in November, and I was still up in Memphis that Friday night, Brett was down in Oxford, and Florida Atlantic came in to play Ole Miss and got beat. And all season long, Brett's been telling me, I saw these guys in person. I- I'm not sure how good they are. Uh, now, that might have been just one night there, and they certainly picked it up, but there might be something to be uh, to be said for that. Listen, Memf- Memphis with uh, Kendrick Davis, big time. This is one of the top portal gets in the in the country last year. And DeAndre Williams, you talk about a guy who really stepped it up late. I mean, he had some gains who scored more than 30 points. So those two give Memphis a real one, too. I think Penny wins this game, and uh, I'm really looking forward to them playing Purdue on Sunday. That's I'm already looking forward to that. So... Uh, Keep an eye on Memphis. I will take them here. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on to uh, second to last game of the opening round. 940 Eastern uh, tip p.m. on Friday night. Number three seed, Kansas State, 8-139.5 against the number 14 seed, Montana State, Paul. You know, you look at this Montana State team. Uh, they lost uh, right at Thanksgiving on a neutral floor. They lost by double digits to both North Carolina Greensboro and Quinnipiac. They lose by double digits to both of those teams. And now they're getting single digits, eight points on a neutral against Kansas State, a team that climbed as high as number five in the polls uh, back in mid-January. You know, I know it's the tournament, uh, but but my mind, that, that's some pretty crazy stuff right there. You look at this Kansas State team, they've got a great one-two punch uh, with their pint-sized guard, uh, Marquise Noel, uh, and their forward, Keontae Johnson. Uh, those guys average 18, 17 points, respectively. You know, Kansas State, obviously, we've seen, um, you know, their, uh, their ceiling, so to speak, how well they can be when they're uh, playing at an optimal level. Uh, and we saw that on several occasions uh, during the Big 12 uh, um, season. So I just think Kansas State, uh, much uh, you know, playing a much more difficult schedule, only favored by eight points. I just think they're going to win this game by double digits. Uh, I really like Kansas State minus eight over Montana State here. And Bruce, a favorable run, draw rather, for Montana State in their conference tournament. They only beat the three, eight, and nine seeds all along the way, including the number nine seed, Northern Arizona, in the tournament final. 
Yeah, it, it worked out well for them uh, in, in Boise last week. And I agree with Paul Stone here. I think Kansas State's a side to look at. Montana State, let's remember, last year in the first round, played another Big 12 team, Texas Tech, and got destroyed. Uh, if you're going to be <clears throat> from one of these, a mid, mid-major, mid low-major, to come in here and do something in this tournament, you need to have something special that you do, either a player, uh, a style, and uh, I just don't see that from Montana State. It, it has a style that can work in the big sky. Uh, Jubriel Bello is a, is a pretty good 6'8 post threat in the big sky, but in the Big 12, he wouldn't be that effective. And I, I tell you what, uh, the Keontae Johnson storyline is one of the best in the country this year because we thought his career was over. Serious situation with him at Florida a couple of years ago. He comes back. He's been a featured guy for Kansas State. Jerome Tang, uh, this guy might be my coach of the year, came up from Baylor, and he pushed all the right buttons. Uh, this team is legit, and I think they, they uh, handle this number against the Bobcats. All right, our final game of the first round, Paul. We're looking at the number four seed, Indiana Hoosiers. Four and 140 right now, Bet Rivers, the number, number 13 seed, Kent State. Kent State battle-tested. Moral victories, well, you don't get them by the selection committee, but maybe as uh, handicappers, we certainly look at it because they gave Houston all they could handle down in Houston on November 26th before losing 49-44. Early, early December, December 5th, they went to Spokane and barely lost to Gonzaga, 73-66. Very competitive on the road against two really good teams who are one in three seeds in this tournament. They rolled through uh, through MAC play uh, this year and, um, and also uh, in the tournament as well, beating uh, Northern Illinois, Akron, and Toledo. 28-6 and six for the Golden Flashes here. And Indiana, right when they're ready to – Boy, you think they're going to make a make a run? They're kind of getting ready to uh, capture and form. Swept home and home uh, with that win at West Lafayette, only to come back home and get uh, smoked by Iowa at uh, at Assembly Hall. The Hoosiers last game of the opening round, nine fifty five Eastern tip. Uh, Indiana four and one forty over the Flashes. You know, in, in doing these these podcasts uh, leading up to the start of the NCAA tournament, we've used the term um, ceiling and floor quite a bit uh, about teams. And, and Indiana's, you know, their best is quite good. Uh, you know, that that's evidenced by a pair of victories over Purdue and, and several other uh, performances during the year. Uh, but as you mentioned, this worse is not very good, <laughs> as evidenced by uh, an early season stretch uh, when it lost six out of nine. Uh, those victories in that uh, stretch – came against the likes of Nebraska, Elon, and Kennesaw State. Then you talked about the loss uh, against Iowa. Kent State, they really made an impression on me early in the season. And you mentioned two of the games. They actually, during a 12-day span, uh, right around – get a quick drink there – right around early December, I believe, they led Charleston, Houston, and Gonzaga on the road – led Charleston and Houston in the final minute, led Gonzaga with three minutes to go, all on the other team's home floor, lost all three games. But that told me this is a tournament team. I like the Golden Flashes to cover, to beat Indiana perhaps outright, but I certainly like Kent State plus four over Indiana, and they could be a Sweet 16 team. All right, uh, Bruce, uh, Paul uh, endorsing the Kent State Golden Flashes. Uh, Here, here. Sign me up. Uh, I'm with Paul, and I, I, I'll go with Kent State here, too. Um, 
You mentioned everything about uh, the Golden Flashes and how they played all those teams really tough on the road, had the leads into the last minute a couple of times. Uh, the Charleston game, too, right at the, they lost that game right at, at the end. Uh, those are some tough teams they beat in the MAC last week. Uh, the top of the MAC was pretty tough. Akron last year, we saw it. They did against UCLA, darn near beat them in the first round. Toledo uh, was really an exciting team this year. So winning that, and they won handily in Cleveland last week. Uh, sincere Carey, Duquesne transfer guard, really an excellent floor leader here. A lot of experience, uh, older guard. Uh, he, he won't be flustered, and the defense is really good for Kent State, too. My problem with Indiana, uh, watching them this year too often, I don't like the body language of this team. Uh, they, they just don't seem to be enthused. I mean, occasionally we see them uh, we see them play with a spark, but they're just a little bit too businesslike for me. And this, you would think that, you know, Woodson being a, a knight disciple, a little bit more fire, that's not his style. I mean, he's just very reserved, and that's sort of reflected in his team. And uh, I wasn't always that impressed with Indiana, despite Trace Jackson Davis being one of the best players in the country. Uh, They turned me off too often this year. I think Kent State wins this game outright. So I think Paul Stone is right. Kent State uh, to look at here. Well, the first half uh, in the the Big Ten semifinal, too, they went through about an eight-minute stretch where they could not buy a bucket. I mean, it was some ugly, ugly stuff. And, and and against a smaller squad where they could have could have pounded down a little bit more uh, to their big guy, their big guy Jackson Davis. All right, uh, so again, lots of things. Final one of the things that that Paul touched on that kind of resonated with me, and that is now Paul, I'll let you follow it up in Bruce as well. But so many teams in this tournament have had really impressive runs. And really, some some very concerning uh, dips. I mean, the roller coaster is is one term that I use, but I mean, it just kind of speaks of just the uncertainty of, of this tournament. It seems like it's become cliche when we're getting about getting uh, into the as we turn the calendar from February to March. Oh, I've never seen it as wide open as this. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, from round to round. We just don't know what the hell we're going to get. Just teams, how are they going to play that particular night, Paul? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I think uh, it's kind of a broad brush, but we don't have as many great individual players probably as we used to. You know, a lot of those players now, uh, you know, might go to, to the league or whatever. And, and people, the players are much more athletic. Everybody can jump. Everybody almost can dunk. But as athletic as they are, they're not as good shooters. You know, the mid-range game is almost obsolete. So I think that's why these teams have dramatic swings is the fact that they're not great shooters. There's not as many great individual players that can carry a team. So I think it really uh, neutralizes things and really uh, tightens the pack and, and makes anything possible. So it's a little bit of a, a, a crapshoot uh, handicap in some of these games. But I tend to, especially uh, – uh, you know, in certain games, uh, I still, even though I think you're paying a little bit of a premium for that very reason, I, I like to look at the underdog in some of these first-round games. Bruce? Yeah, I think the portal has a lot to do with that. Uh, you've got a lot of players moving quickly. They they show up, and they're, they're, they're featured right away, but they haven't had a lot of time to play with their new teammates. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, there's, you know, mercenaries. That's what a lot of these guys are now. And uh, we didn't used to see that. We used to see transfers, but not in mass like we have seen now. Some teams know how to work it better. Providence, good example with Ed Cooley. But sometimes that can be a double-edged sword. And uh, I think 
somewhere in there that accounts for some of the things you talk about, Jimmy, uh, the up and down nature of it. It's just the, the whole the whole mix now with the, with the portal and these guys showing up um, after a couple of years already playing. I think that tends to lend to the situation you're talking about. All kinds of betting options uh, at Bet Rivers for all of these tournament games. So just a, a lot of fun stuff, you know, futures to make the Final Four. Uh, you know, the, the end within games, you know, all of the different bets, you know, over a hundred bets, uh, in game, not in game, but prop bets, uh, for every one of these 67, uh, tournament games over at bet rivers. So, but very, very creative with the betting options at bet rivers. So enjoy it. Good luck. And for, uh, for Paul Stone to Paul Stone sports and Bruce Marshall of the gold sheet. I'm Jimmy odd on the sports betters paradise on the bet rivers network.